Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. <laughs> Who needs technology funding anyway? Technology is central to most people's lives and work, and for schools, it's no different. Despite this, since the advent of IT2000 in 1997, the Department of Education failed to provide a regular stream of funding for almost two decades, until about 2015-2016. Former principal and early pioneer of educational technology, Robbie O'Leary, famously said that technology in primary schools has been funded almost completely by cake sales and Tesco vouchers. This school year, everyone expected their grant to arrive in April, and when it didn't come, people simply believed, like many things, that it was just delayed and would be paid, as the Department of Education are inclined to say, in due course. However, at the end of May, a principal spotted that the grant has simply disappeared from the schedule of payments for the year 2022-2023. In this episode, I take a look at what the Department of Education expect schools to do when it comes to technology and why it's doomed to failure if they aren't going to fund it. Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, an educational podcast where I look at the world of primary education and wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. You can subscribe to the podcast on any of your favourite podcasting apps and please tell your teacher friends or anyone else who might be interested in primary education about it. Well, When I'm not giving out about the patronage system in education, I love talking about technology. I've recorded a number of episodes of this podcast with some hints and tips about technology use, and I've also given a bit of a history about the educational technology scene in the past. Since around 2016, after almost two decades of providing little to no funding for ICT in education, the Department of Education finally committed to providing schools with a reasonably good maintenance grant. For a medium-sized school, it worked out at about €6,000 a a year, which would generally tie a school over in terms of replacing a few broken laptops and a contract maybe with a company for technical support. It wasn't amazing, and it wasn't going to provide all of the students with nearly near than enough to fully engage with educational technology, but in general, most people agreed gave at least an opportunity to plan for their school. What was missing, I guess, was a good framework, and I'd argue we still haven't got one. I've often told the story that the IPPN used to let me present the technology seminar at their annual conference, used to being the operative word, because one year I decided to tackle the most recent digital framework, which I decided to title how to use the digital framework to buy a dog. My argument was that the digital framework was so vague and so verbose that you could use it to do almost anything, including to buy your first pet puppy. Unfortunately for me, one of the heads of the PDST technology and education was in the audience. And in fairness, I don't blame her. 
because <laughs> I'm sure she had words and I haven't been asked back since. The PDST Technology and Education now provides the updates on technology for the conference. And in case you're wondering, I did buy a dog, but I was able to do it without the framework. Anyway, I'll come back to the PDST, who I'm not going to give their full title because I can't be bothered saying PDSTTIE, especially because by the time you might be listening to this, they'll probably be called the PDSTTIE IJA or something like that. When the financial plan for the last batch of funding ended, a new 200 million euro package was announced to fund schools in terms of ICT until 2027. Now, that might sound like a lot of money, but when one delves really into it, it worked out not to be so good. And in reality, this funding was half of what it was. And worse, a blob of that funding was taken for COVID uh, times. Um, if people remember, there was a special COVID grant to uh, help uh, families buy uh, technology if they needed it. And uh, if you might remember that, it worked out at about a maximum of maybe six laptops for a school of 500 pupils or so. It was a really poor grant um, for primary schools at least. So the reality really is that the pot is now down to 160 million euro. And last week when principals were asking where this grant was, given that it was promised in April, the Department of Education finally made an announcement so along the lines of, sorry lads, you're not getting it. Well, it might have been better had they actually apologised and said that, but instead they came out with some spin-doctored nonsense, which I'll read to you, it's three paragraphs long. Under the Digital Strategy for Schools 2015 to 2020, overall investment of 210 million issued of all primary and post-primary schools in annual grant funding. This funding was to support schools to invest in appropriate digital infrastructure to embed the use of digital technology in teaching, learning and assessment. It's very boring. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. The new Digital Strategy for Schools in 2027 was published last year and is underpinned by an investment of 200 million to support schools over the period committed to under Ireland's National Development Plan. The first tranche of 50 million issued to all primary and post-primary schools in late 2021. I don't know if you remember that, but I think that was the one the, for the COVID uh, one. It is hoped to issue the next tranche of funding in the 2023 to 2024 school year. So they actually don't even say we didn't pay it in 2022-2023. It wasn't even a mistake. No, sure. It's hoped. And it's not even definite. It is hoped to issue the next tranche of funding. That's mad. Anyway, as with all such funding, the issuing of the grant is subject to the availability of exchequer funding and the wider capital needs of the department. It is anticipated that the funding commissioned to under the NDP will be available to support the implementation of the digital strategy to schools in future years and you will be kept informed of developments for the current year. I... I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the statement. So they don't apologise. They... As if that this is all planned, really, in a way. They, you know, don't mention the fact that they were able to provide, was it 100 million euro for free bus transport, even nobody nobody wanted it, and that didn't actually benefit a single um, school in the country. They don't mention that school books grant, which is, uh, funnily enough, 50 million euro, roughly, um, as well. Um, and they don't mention that because, again, that doesn't help a single school out in terms of, in terms of infrastructure and all the rest of it. So essentially, I think... They were so busy throwing money 
um, for for getting for vote getting that they um, they basically just ran out of cash and um, they can't they can't afford to basically do this. Now I used to make a joke on this podcast. I probably nearly made it every week about and I'd build up how angry the response would be from the stakeholders. Oh, they'd be banging on the table, you know, but. They're actually beyond parody at this stage. I mean, the IPPN couldn't even bring themselves to say non-payment of the ICT grants. You know, they didn't even say it won't be paid. Their actual headline was ICT grant delayed. Delayed. Like, as if it was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's like a flight was delayed. You'll get the next one kind of thing. You're grand, you know. You have nowhere to be. You have nothing to buy. I mean, I don't know um, if the IP- INTO made a statement or not. Um, and to be honest, well, I, I checked and they, they did, and it was what you'd expect. But I, I, I didn't bother when I was writing the podcast. I, I had much more fun making up my own statement from them. So I, here's the statement I've made from the INTO. It's not actually from the INTO, I mean, although you might believe it. Um, and here is what I thought they might have said. After intense negotiations, the INTO has successfully campaigned for the abolition of the ICT grant for the year 2022-2023. A spokesperson said, Our members have too long been forced to change from blackboards and chalk to big screens and whatchamacallits. With the advent of artificial intelligence, we didn't want our members to be replaced by robots sponsored by Pepsis, as we witnessed on Lisa's wedding episode in The Simpsons. We are Coca-Cola people to the max. With that in mind, we have managed to ensure that ICT funding for all primary schools was cancelled. But they have nego- we have negotiated a free can of caffeine-free Coke for every member that shows up to their local branch meetings. The can will be those fun-sized ones, not the normal-sized ones, and it will be strictly one can per member. This will represent a significant saving for members to offset the increases in salaries passed at Congress. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the nub of their... Well, it's as useful as the statement they put anyway. Um, anyway, given that neither organisation criticised the drop in funding of this ICT grant, I wasn't, well, they did, I suppose, criticise it. Oh, no, they didn't. They didn't actually criticise the, dr- the, the drop in the funding last year. It was um, basically halved. I wasn't surprised that they were so weak in their responses. The IPPN's genuine advice to their members in their statement was to flag the delay with the school's board of management. Yeah. Honestly, that was their advice. That's pretty much telling a child to go home and tell their mammy for all the good it'll do. Like, what is a board actually going to do about it? They'll note it in their minutes, maybe. But what else are they going to do? Given that the IPPN have yet to mention their roadmap to sustainability as week after week, more and more workload is thrown on top of principles, this is even worse. As the National Principles Forum said last week, after another initiative was landed on their desks, this time about counselling services, it says this year alone, we have had four new primary language curriculum webinars to roll out and implement, the new curriculum framework to consider, summer provision to plan and coordinate, a book scheme to develop, plan and implement, and just this last week alone, we received a directive on SNAs to discover, to, to, to consider, which in many cases contradicts arrangements that were in place in many schools, and this primary school pilot counselling service. Do you know how many of these initiatives that the IPPN spoke out about in terms of that roadmap to sustainability scheme project pilot. 
Do you know how many? Coke Zero. Yeah. <laughs> and no, there will be no Coca-Cola in your IPPN conference pack this year. You know, they're more of a Pepsi organization. As for the PDSTTI Asia, well, when they aren't too busy trying to stop schools from buying puppies using the digital framework, let's just say they're in a league of Cavan Cola, which might mean nothing to you if you're young. So maybe a modern equivalent might be those fizzy cola tato crisps that were released for about five minutes and everyone went, what the F? Anyway, in fact, they published 13 articles on their blog on the day of those announcements about the grant being cut and not a single one mentioned the grant not being given, which says everything to me. The PDSTTIE used to be called the NCTE, the National Council for Technology in Education, and I can't say their name change was the reason for the rapid decline, but it certainly was the start of it. Despite some monumental judgment error errors, such as trying their very best to stop schools from buying interactive whiteboards back in 2008, telling them instead to opt for a slate and stylus, they are generally good guys. I would argue, for example, that their webwise section is probably the finest internet safety resource I have ever seen. It is a genuinely brilliant and huge credit has to go to them for that. Their CPD section is also top-notch. If you ever do an ICT summer course, you cannot go wrong with one of their PDSTTIE ones. They even run a really decent procurement scheme for schools, which is probably underutilised. And I also have to give it to them, they produce some decent videos highlighting good technology use in school. I know you're all waiting for the but, aren't you? Yeah, it's coming. But in fairness, I think it's important to give credit where credit is due. Overall, the bits they kept from the NCTE days are still strong. And if you're old enough to remember some of the, some of the heads from the NCT of the past, they were pioneer, real pioneers and they had vision and they had opinion and they weren't afraid to take risks and challenge things, even if they might have been wrong some of the time. Whatever was happening in ICT and education, they were pioneering for it. For example, their support of the Fish project was and still is a stunning scheme. They were promoting it. For example, blogging with Skullnet, Skullnet blogs and they or they weren't too far behind. Yes, they eventually realised that interactive whiteboards were here to stay even if they weren't the best edtech tool pedagogically. As an interesting aside, the NCTE started a scheme to give every single teacher in the country an official educational email address. And I was at the launch of that years ago and I was given one of the first ever email addresses from Skullnet or from NCTE. I think it was going to be, you know, your, uh, the, the na your name with a few numbers at Skullnet.ie. I think that's what it was. I can't remember the, the um, domain name. Uh, however, um, unfortunately for them, and it was a timing issue more so than anything else, Gmail exploded onto the scene at the time and uh, just at exactly the same time. And Gmail is just a much better email uh, uh, kind of, uh, I mean, I presume you're very likely to have a Gmail um, account. Um, and funnily enough, though, uh, despite that, my Gmail address is actually the same name as what my school name would have been. So I don't know. There you go. Uh, just an aside. So anyway, where is this but I've been promising? Well, the but has always been the same thing. It's been policy and planning. 
Ever since the beginning of the modern day ICT revolution, the NCTE and the Department of Education simply got the fundamentals wrong. The foundations were wrong. Whether that was choosing initially to train teachers on how to make worksheets um, on, in Microsoft Word back in 1998, instead of training them to get the children to use the technology, or whether it was never successful in providing a good ICT plan, which still carries on today, EdTech in schools was never going to go well because it didn't have the foundations. And what happened was schools ended up having to make their own plans. I used to refer to ICT in schools as snowflakes before that word was hijacked because no two schools, ICT plans and infrastructure were anywhere near the same. The other elephant in the room was money, which I touched on. Because of this, schools have long been expected to provide a decent ICT infrastructure without proper financial support. And until 2015, when these grants were announced, there were very, very few schools who didn't have really old devices. In fact, most schools in 2015 were still working off Windows XP devices, despite some of those uh, devices being over a decade old and Windows no longer even supporting them for almost two years. And it's for me, it was really a wonder how there wasn't some sort of HSE style hack uh, of schools at the time. Many schools relied exclusively on donations from parents of their old computers. And there was a company in Ireland called Camara who uh, originally were set up to send refurbished laptops to uh, countries in, um, in, in mainly uh, Africa and, uh, and uh, some Asian countries as well before they realised that uh, Irish schools needed these machines almost just as much. And they ended up selling refurbished uh, laptops uh, to schools. Uh, many of your schools may, may still have Camara laptops. The lack of investment meant very poor broadband in most schools well into the second half of the 2010s. It also meant no technical support. So when something went wrong with the machine, there was nobody there to fix it. And essentially schools needed the goodwill of a staff member or a parent to fix everything. The first course I ever got trained in was called Basic Maintenance for ICT. I remember loving it because I actually am one of these geeky people who loves opening up computers and replacing the bits and bobs in it. Uh, but when I think back, this was an NCTE um, initiative, really getting teachers to do fairly advanced uh, technical support in their schools. It's something many teachers do end up doing. I mean, I always love when I contact a company uh, if I have a problem with anything really to do with technology and they say, you probably have to talk to your IT department about something or other. So I generally say, well, <laughs> actually, you're talking to the ICT department here. It's me. I sometimes get a laugh from them, but mostly they don't believe me because of the size of my school. And it would be ludicrous for a, a school of, th of the size of mine not to have access to a proper technician. Can you imagine, for example, a doctor in a hospital being asked to swap out a motherboard or a fireman in a fire station being asked to wipe all of the laptops at the end of the year? No, you couldn't imagine it because they have IT support. However, when it comes to school, the expectation is that we do it ourselves. My wife, Rod, pointed me in the direction of a document produced by the PDSTTIE recently. It's called Digital Technology Infrastructure Guide for School Leadership. And I'm going to link uh, make a link on the show notes of that document. 
Yes, school leaders, if you didn't know, you are also responsible for your school's ICT infrastructural plan. It's a 13-page document and it outlines all the things you have to do in terms of infrastructure. And before you tell me you must have missed that lecture in teacher training college about this, don't bother. Like almost everything else, you can add technician to your growing list of other job titles like being a social worker, an educational welfare officer, psychologist, counsellor, and so on and on and on it goes. In case you are interested in what you're expected to be leading on in terms of ICT infrastructure, I've left, as I said, a link in the show notes for the document, but let me give you as brief a summary as I can of it because, to be honest with you, I found it fascinating. I didn't know it existed until Roz showed it to me, uh, but it's a 13-page document of what I, as a school leader, am responsible for um, in terms of ICT infrastructure. So, let me bear with me as I go through this because uh, I think it's funny in a way, despite it being a, an exceptionally, I suppose, complex document. It starts off by hailing its own digital framework, as is the case with most of these stakeholders who use their introductions to tell everyone how fantastic they are. Although there is no mention, I'm afraid, of buying any dogs in it. It then lists 15 key digital infrastructural areas for which they have a procurement framework for three of them. 15 areas, but they only have frameworks for three of them. Well, there you go. Then they make up a three-letter acronym uh, because we need acronyms, TLAs, isn't it? Three-letter acronyms, a DTI. Can you guess what a DTI was? Or sorry, yeah, DTI. I thought it was, um, I was starting to think, gosh, the DTI. Um, And I was thinking of, um, do you know when you get the jitters after, uh, I don't know, after having a few too many, but I think it's the DTs, isn't it? Um, I can't remember. But the DTI is, yeah, it's the Digital Technology Infrastructure. Um, where they ask leaders to identify all sorts of issues, offering an email address as the solution to all of those issues that you can email if you have a problem. Which, by the way, if you do have that problem, you e- you, uh, you do email that email address. Don't expect uh, anything <laughs> uh, really from it. The next, uh, probably you need to contact your, uh, maybe your tech technical department in, in your school. They might come back to you with. Anyway, the next bit made me laugh because they essentially do, as I said, what these companies do. They simply assume you have a technical support service in the school, despite the fact there has never been a single cent given to schools to buy into a technical support scheme. This is fascinating stuff for me. My absolute favourite question comes after that. And here's the questions um, it basically asks uh, about if you have an issue with your infrastructure. Are these issues ongoing or recent issues? And has the school tried to resolve these issues? That's kind of their their best bet because schools have this wonderful ability to not only assess whether their phantom technical support team is working well, they also have to show they've tried to resolve it themselves. It's basically like asking me because what if I don't know anything about technology and I bring, I get a technical support guy and we bring in these technical support guys and they may as well be talking Greek to me uh, for all I know and I'm good at technology. Um, it's basically like asking me to rate, to go into a into a Greek class and, um, you know, and, and, and basically rate the teacher who's speaking Greek the whole time and then going into the classroom myself uh, in order to att- to try and teach Greek even though I don't speak a word of it. 
you know, that's what that is trying to ask to do. Anyway, my next favourite section comes next, when they essentially blame schools for having broken computers. Because the reason they say we all have these broken computers is because we've been firefighting instead of having a strategic, planned, proactive approach. You see, if only we hadn't been firefighting and had a strategic, planned, proactive approach, everything would be fine. Um, but given that requires a regular ICT grant, you won't be surprised that I have almost hurled my free can of Cavan Cola at my computer screen when I saw it. It keeps getting better because the next piece is about cyber security. Yes, we also have to be cyber security experts. And I bet those Russian hackers will be quaking in their boots if they knew the entire educational infrastructure rests on the knowledge of primary school leaders. After that, it gives out roles to schools. Now, it's good fun to see it because it basically says that nobody working in the school has a technical role unless they have the capacity uh, for some reason. I don't know what that means. And all of that, all of anyways, the technical role is for ICT providers. The trouble being that they don't give any money towards those IT providers. However, my favourite line in the roles and responsibility summary was the last one. Uh, now, I'm going to read, uh, read it so you can see, um, because reading it, um, but just just be, be careful now when you hear this. Me reading this, you might want to sit down. Me reading this is probably the equivalent of eating a packet of fizzy cola tato. Honestly. So here are the DTI roles, folks. The school principal has to provide overall leadership and priorities to all parties, overall decision maker, funding approval and a non-technical role. Is it a technical role? No, no. But that's your responsibilities. You, you have to lead. Um, that means nothing. Deputy principals, a digital learning team, because you all have that, an ICT coordinating teacher, because, you know, when they cut all the posts, the uh, posts of responsibility, and they sort of haphazard brought back some of them, um, every school has to have a digital um, co ICT coordinating teacher. Anyway, their job is to support the principal leadership. <laughs> imagine, imagine having your leader knowing nothing about technology and you have to support them when they come out with, oh yeah, I was at this thing and uh, they said... Yeah, we have to get this. Yeah, oh, can you Bob? I don't really remember what it was called. You know, anyway, providing input regarding priorities. Um, they have to say do that. They may involve some technical responsibilities where the capacity exists within the school because, you know, we have a system in Ireland where the there where teachers um, have loads of time. Um, you know, during the day to do a technical uh, te technology support. You know, there isn't a single teacher in a primary school who doesn't have full-time teaching responsibilities and planning. But where capacity exists somehow, they're going to be able to do technical support. It's bizarre. Ugh. Um, then you've got IT providers um, who, for which they provide zero money. They provide a technical role, respond to school priorities and requests. Uh, yeah. Uh, after how long? You know, you ring them. Oh, well, geez, we're quite busy at the moment. So it could be a few days. And provide technical solutions on school priorities. Your internet goes down. You you ring um, your IT provider. I'll be there on three on Tuesday. Well, you know, we kind of need our internet working all the time. Um but yeah, that's that's what they're providing. Uh, the PDST Technology and Education Digital Technology Infrastructure Team, they have a digital technology infrastructure team. Lucky them. They provide objective <laughs> uh, technical and non-technical advice and guidance to school and they respond to school's priorities and requests. I, I have no idea what that means. But my favourite line, as I say, was the last one, which was other. And the description there is as may be necessary. 
what what does that even mean? You know, it doesn't mean anything. And then they list things that the staff should be doing in all the free time they have during the day. And so these are the examples of technical support activities that could be carried out by school staff where capacity exists to do so. So basic troubleshooting regarding a wide range of situations where problems occur, including broadband, carrying out activities as directed by the school's broadband service desk. So they can do that anytime. Checking cabling where issues occur because they know how to do that. Double checking that problems exist before they're escalated to IT providers because they know all this stuff. Ensuring that their school's antivirus software is up to date and that scanning runs are run regularly outside of core school hours. Yeah, because again, this is something that we are able to do and we have had no funding for. Regular checks that software is up to date. Yeah, again, uh, if you have 100 uh, laptops, you know, that's no problem to do. Easy. Basic level support for printers, checking power and cables, error codes, paper blockages, toner, cartridges and consumables. Yeah, because we totally can do, uh, we can do, we kind of do that anyway. I mean, I couldn't call that technical support, but anyway, it's there. Basic level of support for projectors, checking power and cabling, error codes, lamp unit, facilitating remote access for IT providers because all of our projectors are very modern. First level support for a number of agreed technical support activities. Again, where's the time and updating content to the school website. So again, um, where is all the time for all of this? That's a lot of work um, for a, uh, for even a, a small school um, where nowadays most schools will have tried to get at least um, enough laptops for, you know, between one and four, one and six uh, kids. So in 100 uh, size school, you'll have 25 laptops plus the teacher's laptops. So about 30 devices, maybe more. Like, how are you going to really realistically be working um, on all of that? And if you thought that was all, if you turn the page, it gives schools a long list of things to check in terms of ICT infrastructure that would be considered minimum expectations. Now, I decided I'd do a brief calculation about how much that infrastructure costs in a typical double stream primary school. So that's a 16 classroom primary school. And I came up with the answer. Um, just, and it was a very brief thing, but it was something between 80,000 euro and 95,000 euro. So you can see very quickly that even with the money that was being given, which is about five to 6,000 euro a year, we were never going to be doing well here. It's a minimum of about 80,000 euro to get the minimum infrastructure in a typical double stream school. There is no way, I don't think, that you could make it any any less uh, without cutting corners, which is exactly what schools end up having to do. If a school even had the time or the skills to complete what they're suggesting for the minimum DTI audit, then they would be uh, they could send the missing items to the PDST in order for them to be fixed. It might be worth it, but no money is offered in any way for any of that. Instead, the rest of the document is basically a glossary of the various devices and infrastructure that's available. And finally, they give that famous email address where you can fix all your problems. Yet, yeah, honestly. So as you can see, without money coming in, without the personnel, without the right plans to support technology, it's hard to see how any of this is going to work in any way. And I haven't even mentioned the fact that the, despite it being a really stupid idea, technology is now going to become a curriculum subject in less than three years. How in the name of whatever God you may or may not believe in, are we going to be able to teach a technology curriculum when we don't have the fundamental foundations in place? 
The Department of Education are clearly demonstrating they couldn't give a rat's tail about funding technology. Instead, throwing their money at school book grants and counselling services, which don't even help schools, and they don't really help children very much at all either. If the Department of Education is serious about technology and education, they simply need to pay up. I call their failure the two M's. There's no money and there's no mindset. The money is self-explanatory. The mindset, I guess I just went through. They have a completely unrealistic foundation. There's no joint up thinking. There still isn't a decent plan. To be honest, there's very little hope now that the Department of Education have cancelled this year's grant that any of that is going to happen. In fact, things are so bad the way things are going, even if a school wanted to use the digital framework to buy a dog, they probably struggle to afford one. And that's no coke. I, I mean, joke. So there you have it. Um, that is it for this month. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still in disbelief that they just, you know, didn't pay the grant. And the funny thing is, I don't think anybody, apart from the schools, care. You know, if you said, sent a letter out to parents saying, by the way, there was no ICT grant, so, you know, we won't be able to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't think they'd care. You know, that's the thing. I mean, they're, they're the Department of Education. I mean, I, I can't for one second believe that there's anything strategic about this. Um, I think there's people on Twitter and online kind of going, oh, they knew what they were doing. They have this plan for a long time. They use, they plan to use the school book grant. They plan to do this and then kind of quietly not do the ICT thing because they knew what they were doing. I don't think they have a clue what they're doing in there. I think they're absolutely unplanned, unstrategic. They're they're just going from day to day to day. Um, I, I mean, we have, we're introducing modern foreign languages, MFL, into our uh, new curriculum. I, I, how are they going to... I, I don't see any plan for that. Exactly. How are they going to get people to teach French, German, Spanish, Japanese, Chinese, whatever, Polish? It, it, it's just... There's no planning. Like, I, I actually think they're... They're, they're so incompetent. Um, and it's somehow... And I, I don't know why we do this and we, we always do this. Well, we do it because we love the children that we teach. We try and fix things for them. And we end up finding the solutions ourselves. I mean, if it wasn't Kamara back in the day with the refurbished computers, if it wasn't for the cake sales and Tesco tokens to get the interactive whiteboards, if it wasn't for the likes of the Robbie O'Leary's of the world, the Joy Malloy's of the world, the Sassy people, you know, again, what would we have done? We wouldn't have been able to do, we'd have no ICT infrastructure. It's all these digital people, the people that are enthusiastic, that are making all the plans and, you know, in spite of the lack of funding, in spite of the lack of planning. And when they come up with these, like even when they come up with these plans, you had people like me, you had people like Robbie, you had people like all these people kind of going, these are terrible plans. Why don't we just keep it simple and just come up with a simple plan instead of all these silly checklists and and, and vague and verbose guidelines and frameworks and self-congratulatory sort of stuff. All of it. It was just, it's just so frustrating um, to be involved in digital technology, which I've been for the last 20 years and just seeing what could be. And when you, I mean, I, as I've said in the past, I trained in the UK and everything just worked because things were centralised, you know, and I suppose that's another issue that I didn't touch on in th uh, on the podcast. Why can't we have a reasonably good centralised service? Like we actually had 
these things called ICT advisors in education centres, why couldn't have this be expanded upon rather than cut? They removed those people and didn't replace them with anything. And I, I, I the opposite should have, should have happened. We should have had education centres as hubs for centralised ICT um, infrastructure. So schools would have one less thing to not to worry about. And I know that would, you know, not help with autonomy. So, for example, in a school like mine, where I think Chromebooks are the way to go, if my local education centre were kind of a Microsoft Teams kind of place, well, fair enough. Do you know what? I would suck that up. I might not like it, but I'd suck it up on the basis that I would have all my digital, uh, I'd have my digital framework without needing uh, to go off and do it all by myself. So, look, I, I don't know. There's, there's been, it's a mess, and then not getting this grant uh, this, uh, this year is just, it just goes to show how little. Um, they they value technology and education. How little they value education, um, you know. And I mean, as I said last year, when they have the grant and not none of the representatives said anything. In fact, they welcomed it with open arms. It just goes to show. It does go to show. And um, you know, and technology is just one little thing amongst a lot of little things uh, that make up our education system. And I don't know how we have a functioning system in any way, shape, or form. But anyway, I could rant for the rest of the day on this, um, but uh, I hope the point's been made. Um, thanks, uh, I have to say, to my wife, Roz, for alerting me to that uh, digital framework um, infrastructure document. I, I somehow missed that. I I, 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 mean, I don't remember it ever being sent to the school, um, but uh, it really tied in um, exactly um, the point of this episode, really, which was give no money but give uh, the schools the jo- like jobs to do without funding them um, and it tied up a little bit in that. Anyway, that is it from me. Uh, thanks so much for listening. All the very best. Bye-bye. Thank you.